Greetings, and welcome to the RPG Review Board Podcast. You're listening to episode 22. In this episode, the board administers their righteous judgment upon the Star Wars role-playing game. Originally published in 1987 by Weston Games and republished by Fantasy Flight in 2018 as a celebration of the game's 30th anniversary. With over 12 years of active development and over 140 source books, this game includes everything you'd need to run a game in this classic setting. Join us as the board convenes in support of the betterment of tabletop gaming. Come now, the honorable representatives of the RPG Review Board. Oyez, 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 all rise. The RPG Review Board is now in session. My name is John Case Tompkins. I'm joined by Heidi Faith, Trey Gordon, Adam Lawson, and Nathan Stanley. If the judgment of this court helps you find a new game, help us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another review. How have you all been doing in this springtime? Nathan. I was I was gonna make a I was gonna make a producer's joke, but I I could see by your smile that you already got it, so I don't even need to make it. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm uh, doing quite well. The most important news in my life is that 48 hours ago I bought a new car. Ooh, um, very nice. That yeah. Is, that is possibly the most adult thing I have done in years. I really feel like I've turned a page. <laughs> in the in the chapter of you know becoming an adult did you bargain with the guy Uh, it doesn't count if you didn't haggle (laughs) it doesn't count if i didn't haggle. (laughs) yeah um i uh a friend of a friend so uh i got the i got the friends and family treatment oh Oh, okay fine so there wasn't much much bargaining needed um, well, th- that's actually better because you sort of bargained around the back end, right? You, you yeah, that's right. exploited oh, yeah. Yeah. your connections to make it happen. That's yeah. right. Yes. It's who you know in this world, right? So, yeah. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> so. And I'm actually very glad you got a new car because I don't fit in your old car. So Yeah. Yeah. The, the car. Tell me I it's smaller. Tell me it's smaller. Up. Uh, up until <laughs> yeah, yeah i i bought a uh, a smart car it's about the size of a shoebox it's like i went from a miata to a mini cooper uh... <laughs> yeah to the intrepid listener i drive a 1992 mazda miata which there was an interview with chris hadfield where he described getting into the soyuz capsule like climbing into a mazda miata so I like to say that climbing into a Mazda Miata is like climbing into a Soyuz capsule. There you uh, go. <laughs> you just, it's, it's pretty tiny. So yeah, I bought a uh, I bought a Honda CRV. So hey. a lot more leg oh, room. Nice. Uh, case would probably even fit in it. Maybe. It, it's, well, listen. Let's not let's let's test, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's send it to the testers before we verify. That's right. Yeah, we'll need to yeah measure out the leg room and everything. It's like moving a sofa into a house. <laughs> it is like moving a sofa. Adam, are you uh, are you moving any sofas? I understand you've got uh, people coming and going. No, sleeping on a different sofa, spending time on a different sofa. We just came back. Springtime means spring break, so we traveled. Ooh. We drove down to North Carolina. Fourteen hours there, fourteen hours back. But the time that we had was great. We went to Ocean Island. Uh, it was fantastic, very relaxing. Um, it was good to be home, but yeah, we spent a week down there and it was really great. Great weather. The weather cooperated very well, except for the days that we were driving. It rained on the way there and it rained on the way back. Way back. But other than that, we had fantastic weather. Oh, that's wonderful. That doesn't often happen where the, the weather yeah. cooperates with your plan. So congratulations. Yeah. We, we kept all the crappy weather right here for you. Just yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Appreciate that. It's, it's You're been. Welcome. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. been very Old Testament deluge here yeah. with um, great swaths of our uh, of our very flat landscape underwater. But uh, above water, in the sense of being uh, on the boards recently, uh, Trey, how are you doing? Oh, great! Yeah, we we just closed a show, another show, and we're we're, we're sort of between shows right now at Civic Theater, and so. I and several of the other folks decided this is the time to clean out the shop. And we're, we're going to get, because it's a volunteer theater, and so yeah. it tends to get pretty messy in there. Because not everybody has the same idea of where everything goes. 
or whether it even goes anywhere. This huge crew of, well, a huge crew, there were like six of us, a whole, a whole bunch of people showed up to, to do this thing. And in the interim, so this shop, as you will remember, Case, this shop has sort of a loading door that's essentially just a manual garage door that you Correct. haul up. Yeah. It's, it's been on the building for probably 70 years. Yeah. And it's in terrible shape. Anyway, they got a new one. Oh, an, hey. electric, an electric one. Nice. And so I got there, and it had just been installed a few hours before, and I walk in, and they're in there. I've never seen grown-ups act like this. I mean, everyone was so excited. They were all outside, and they closed it, and they opened it, and they went inside, and do it again, do it again. And they closed it, and go, <laughs> one more time. And my friend Dave's like, oh, wait, 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 let me, get my, give me, let me get my phone. And they're filming this thing. And eventually... Uh, my friend Amelia says, y'all realize this is just a garage door, right? <laughs> yeah, you're going to have one just like it when you get home. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I still, I came to the party a little late, and I was trying to figure out what was so exciting. I was like, maybe it's bulletproof. Am I missing something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know that if you had been there when they all, the rest of them got there and it was installed, you would have Probably. been enslaved to that same, like... <laughs> Like, no, no, yeah. no, it's my turn to open the garage. You yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. You want to use the remote? You want to press the door on the button on the wall? Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, you know it's, it's gone the... too far when someone starts hanging on it, like you did yeah. when you were a kid. Oh, no, no, and it goes no. up, and you see how far up you can get. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We did that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Oh Most of goodness. the people there, that wouldn't have been a very good idea. It would have broken us in half. See, I was really expecting that when you started to tell the story of cleaning out the, um, like, the the shop area they were like and we found the ark of the covenant you know it was in the back <laughs> well to be honest we're not quite finished yet so it, it, it could be we could we could find it we could we find, could find it. anything in there yeah yeah I, I remember there's there's things that i I'm like what is that i don't even know we could find jimmy hoffa you could <laughs> or, or or his his phylactery Phylactery. I'm sure, I'm, <laughs> all right. I'm sure all he's right. become a that witch by a, now. That took a turn for the necromantic. <laughs> that did. Anyway, finding things uh, usual and unusual. Uh, Heidi, how are uh, how are the denizens of your household? Every, things are well. I was thinking about what I was going to talk about because I, I got to go to a really fun independent wrestling event, Warrior 20. Uh, got to see some cool people wrestle right up close. Second row was really fun. I mean, small venue, but really fun. Um, I was thinking about talking about, I got a uh, new uh, Hellboy RPG Ooh. in the mail. Uh, what? You got an uh, RPG? You bought an I, RPG? In this household, my my, my partner uh, okay. purchased this, but we've been, we've been talking about this one forever. Oh, so yeah. No, that, I'm Hellboy ex- is I'm great. I'm very excited to show you guys this one. It's a, it was a Kickstarter that uh, the books got delayed, you know, as uh, COVID is not quite done with the wonderful system of shipping things. So it took yeah, a while supply to chain. get things here. Right. Supply, supply chain, chain issues. Kind of a mess. However, I think the big news for me is new cat, y'all. New cat. Hey. He is here. Cat. Yep. He's a little monster. Yeah. He's adorable. Shiny. Yeah. Oh, fluffy, cute. He is. His name is Rufus. Uh, Rufus. We call him Mufus, because you know we're really cool. <laughs> so, in the immortal words of the Who, meet the new cat, same as the old cat. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's all unique unto himself. Oh, no. okay. Of course. He's of cute. course. He's cute. He's a little spaz. It's been a long. I've had a lot of old animals, so uh, it's been a while since I've had a young critter in the house and holy crap it's a lot to keep up with you know oh yeah yeah you wouldn't I, well yeah. you know you got kittens over yeah we have kittens yeah so, and, yeah, yeah no and there's there's that kind of like like old cats like oh I, I have this feeling that cats are a little bit like wind-up toys that their whole mm-hmm. lives like someone pulls their string way far out at the beginning and they run <laughs> around like crazy and then as they reach like the middle point they sort of slow down and then they just become puddles of fur that just yeah. move from sunbeam to sunbeam, you know? That's yeah. <laughs> like, why? But yeah, right now it's it's a bunch of like falling off things yeah. and jumping on things. Oh, and like, why can't I attack this? Why can't I go in here? Like, yeah. our, our the boy cat of our little duo 
will go to all of the rooms he's not allowed to go into and cry at the shut doors like, oh, Lord. why won't you let me in? <laughs> because we don't want you in there. That's why. Yeah, that's the same, same thing, same thing. But, and it's been a slow, we've been introducing them to the other animals of the household. What about us? Oh, I am not going to pull that thing out right now. If I pull that out and show you guys over <laughs> Zoom, it's going to be chaos. He's going to bat at this cord and that cord. He's going to okay. take over the show, and it's going to become a cat podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. Several episodes ago, we established <laughs> that this is not a squirrel podcast. It is also not a cat podcast. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So the there, there are rules. Um, and that's one of them. Honestly, I'm pretty okay with just giving this a blanket. This is not a furry non-human podcast. Mm. Just any, any sort of like fur covered non-human. The non-human part is doing a lot of work on that. Our our horse listeners right now are just (laughs) turning it off in disgust. I know. I'm starting to go. (laughs) I am looking, I am looking at a screen. I have four people in front of me that all have beards. I have, for yeah. somewhat furry people, right? So, <laughs> to clarify, not furries. To clarify, but... <laughs> the implications of this statement, uh, this accusation, if you will, are, are, are significant. Okay, Melissa. Okay. I I wanted to tell you a story about what I've been doing recently because it's actually kind of been interesting, but I can't. I have been instructed to tell you a story. By none other than my fiance, the light of my life, my beloved. So, many, many uh, months ago, when we first, very first met, she and I had a lovely date. And later that week, we were communicating through text. She, got, she sent me this text and she said, My kids want to know Star Wars or Star Trek. Okay. And I. Por que no los dos? Right. And so I, I was like, I don't really like either one of them but if i had to choose it would be star trek and i waited a little bit and i got the the response was just wrong answer Um, (laughs) (laughs) i I was gonna say this is i don't know that's that escalated pretty quickly for yeah yeah that's a heavy question (laughs) so despite those initial setbacks you know our relationship proceeded Uh, She did agree to marry me, despite this schism with accepted wisdom in the family. But I have been telling her of what we have been playing recently. And the other day, I got back to the house, and she said, I got you something in the mail today. And so she pulled out. I'm now going to... uh, Oh, for oh, those of you listening at home, he's undoing his shirt. Oh, there's Grogu on his shirt. So it's Aww. got the little, like, miniature Yoda or something yeah. from, I guess, or, or something. Baby Yoda. So, stay strong, Stay strong. She got this. She got this for me. You're and killing I'm like, Nathan right now, by the way. I'm like, well. Thanks. Uh, I guess I could wear this to bed. She's like, no, you're wearing it on our date tomorrow. Yes! And, and you're wearing it when you guys record the podcast. Yes! Yes! And, um, you are. Uh, and she is she is my fiance. She who must be obeyed. And so here I am wearing Good this soldier. guy. Excellent. Good soldier. So, yes. Uh, which is a sort of nice... A uh, clean segue into our subject for tonight, which is the Star Wars uh, role-playing game. Um, although, specifically, we should say this is the West End Games Star Wars role-playing game, uh, because there's more than one. Uh, so, Nathan, why don't you take us away with a, a brief description, and because the... The history of Star Wars and RPGs is a little bit, a little bit complex. Yes, travel with me, if you will, back to the <laughs> sands of time, back to the a long year time 1987. Ago, one might say. Yes, you might even say a long time ago in 1987, West End Games published a role-playing game for Star Wars. The game ran until 1998, when uh, West End Games went under, and. The next company to pick it up was Wizards of the Coast, who held it for a while until 
eventually those rights transferred to Fantasy Flight. So all of those companies have made their own version of a Star Wars role-playing game. So specifically today, uh, we are reviewing the first edition of West End Games uh, Star Wars. I also mentioned first edition because they actually published a second edition, and the copy of the Star Wars role-playing game that I have is the, follow, follow with me here, the Fantasy Flight republication of the original West End Games Star Wars role-playing game. So, right. to sum up, West End Games had it, then they lost it, and Wizards of the Coast had it, then they lost it, and Fantasy Flight still has the rights to uh, the Star Wars role-playing game, but also the rights to republish the old West End Games version. The West End. They did that yeah. in 2018. That's worth mentioning because we do have a policy on this podcast that, well, we have no problem reviewing old games. We don't want to review any game you can't actually get a hold of. So this game, despite the fact that it is old, came out in 86, is in print currently from Fantasy Flight, right? They they sell it in a few different places, and I found it online. The, the other thing that I would also mention is that this is based off of uh, West End Games' D6 system, and there's uh, plenty of games like that as well on DriveThruRPG, including D6 Space, which is essentially Star Wars, the, the West End Games Star Wars role-playing game without the Star Wars. Uh, okay. And and all, you, can, you can find these source books and, and such out there as well. Okay. So this is, this is accessible. So if people want this, they can get yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'd like to start with character creation, but before, because I thought that the character creation process for this was an incredible, incredibly easy on-ramp, and it was not something I was really expecting. Two things made it particularly interesting. One, you do not make a character in the sense of, like, either roll stats or pick stats and then choose a class. You choose an archetype or a... Is that what they're called, Nathan? I think it's our template. Um, I think they template. just—they just, yeah, they just generally call them templates. Yeah. Template. Use a template, which is is something like like bounty hunter is a template, and uh, what is it? Failed Jedi is a template, or mercenary is a template, and you get to spend some points, and then you are ready to go. And I think there are two things that are really interesting about this setup. One, I have never seen a character creation system that is so fast and two i didn't feel particularly constrained by it as in well they're making me you know put dice in certain areas what about the rest of you like how did you feel looking at this character creation system did it did you feel limited or what were your impressions especially for a game this age the character creation system was really really fast you know i remember games from the 80s and we, I mean, character creation was rarely quick and easy. You know, that was, <laughs> that was the days of, you know, the first traveler where you had to muster in and muster out of various military services as you, yes. as, you, as you rolled up your character. I think you could make it harder, couldn't you, Nathan? You can, like, strip out some of the, you know, I don't know if you want to say take off the training wheels, because like you, Case, I felt like it was not particularly restrictive. You know, because there are a lot of these templates. It's not just, like, you have, like you know, four or six character classes. There, there, there are dozens of these things. 24 in the core book. Okay, okay yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say I didn't count them, but that sounds about right. And yes, the game does come with rules that are considered alternate rules. I'm, I'm putting some air quotes around alternate rules so that you can basically roll your own, right? So this is how we come up with these stats. This is kind of the math, the, the character creation math used to generate these stats. And you can generate kind of whatever stat block you want. Um, the templates include pre-generated stat block and a description like the failed Jedi and a, and then on the back of the template, it gives you essentially some pointers on how to play that role, like how, how this failed Jedi may have known other types of templates in your party and that sort of thing. The fact of the matter is, is I would almost say even without using that custom ability, there are enough templates in the back that even if you didn't want to use a template specifically, you could just use the stat block from a template, right? You could take the bounty hunter template and then just play, you know, 
uh, this guy isn't a bounty hunter. This guy's a cop or something, right? Yeah. Um, and and you could you could do that just as easily. I think there's enough variability there that I didn't feel very restricted by the the number of templates allowed. So. And there's supplements with even more, right? I mean, there are 24 in the core rulebook, but there are even more in some supplements. They're just lots yeah. of these things. And I was I was looking this up right before we started. Over its lifetime, uh, between 1987 and 1998, over 140 source books and supplements were published for this game. Lord Almighty. Um, I don't know wow. exactly how many of those are available, but I'm sure there are some intrepid collectors out there that are still hunting for them. Yeah, and, and I want to, we kind of said it, but I want to make sure it's clear that these templates are not pre-gen characters. I mean, they've got a lot of things already generated for you, but you get points to spend so that you can customize them. Yeah, so maybe the, the best way to say this would be the templates. Uh, a character has six primary abilities, uh, dexterity, knowledge, mechanical, perception, strength, and technical. Those stat blocks are pre-generated, and those are set in stone, and they will never improve over the game. But each ability then has an array of skills, much like a lot of other role-playing games we know that are based on those abilities. Uh, I did a quick count right before we started. There's 39 skills not counting force skills, but just general mundane skills, 39 of them, uh, you get essentially seven dice to add to skills. So of those 39, you get to sprinkle a little bit of, of salt uh, into that. You know, you get to add a little bit of extra oomph to the skills of your choice. No more than two to any one skill. But yeah, you can say, eh, he's got a blaster skill, but I want him to be a little bit better at blaster. So you can add a die to that and you, you go through the list and yeah, you get a little bit of customization that way as well. Yeah. Heidi, what did you what did you think of that way of building a character rather than a kind of like you start with a blank slate? This is sort of like you start with some of the knobs and levers moved around and then you go from there. Better or worse? I love it. This I found this. I mean, I. I am not quite like Nathan in this, but I am a Star Wars fan. I grew up with it. So, you know, this was fun to get into. But I, I've been thinking about this. Like, do you have to like Star Wars to enjoy this? I, I don't know. You know, I did, but I am a fan. I was excited to get into this. I was already somewhat familiar with the, you know, these characters that they kind of, these very general characters that they put out there. But the way I looked at it is each template you know it was just that I mean it, you know it was a template it's a skeleton it's meant to be it's a rough kind of outline and you can kind of fill it in with the flourish and the details you want and need but they make that very accessible you know and I was kind of you know I don't know I was just thinking about that as we were doing this because this to me like a lot of times I can come up with kind of a story but like some of the mechanical things can sometimes be very intimidating if you're coming into a game as a, as a newbie or just someone who's not, you know, overly familiar. This felt like I could do this on my own, even if, even if you guys weren't there. How's that? <laughs> huh? Take that, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you enormous neckbeards. Yeah. You furries. No. Uh, hey. Sorry. The horses are just walking away you just killed our horse market Heidi um, I told you that in private and you have made it public in oh no, this podcast and, uh okay all right enough of this uh okay so that accessibility I think is one of the things that makes the approach to this game so easy and I actually really liked uh, I think Nathan you said that the the game itself has got a sort of like solo play chapter where it teaches you the rules and then it gives you a chapter that's like, okay, here, here's a, like a choose your own adventure where you, you get to roll the things and sort of see how you do. Is Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's really quite nice and I played through it and it is really entertaining as well. Uh, but yeah, that's essentially exactly what it is. It's a little choose your own adventure where essentially this uh, little, you know, few pages of adventures just printed in the book and the book is your game master for a little bit. And it'll say your character has a, uh, you know, your character is accosted by stormtroopers and uh, he has a, your character has a blaster skill of 5d plus one uh, roll. If you 
succeed against this check, uh, go to this number. If you don't go to this number, right? So it's, it's kind of like a choose your own adventure where the results of your skill rolls kind of put you down various trees of this little adventure. And, and it kind of teaches you the rules, right? Because it'll tell you what you're rolling, what you're rolling against, and essentially the consequences of successes and failures while you're playing that as well. It's a really interesting way of, of teaching the rules uh, and is super useful for somebody like me where I'm, I'm known among my friends as being the guy that likes to read rules and, and uh, get up to speed that way. But I learn much better by doing. So being able to like play a little game by myself before I even brought it to you guys, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's the sort of thing I looked at that and it was one of those things was like, why doesn't every game have this? So many RPG rulebooks have got like the example of play in the front where it's like, Tom and Dick and Harry are sitting down with Janine to play a game of, you know, of blah, blah, blah. And Tom says blah. You know, it's like, that's helpful. It can actually sort of show you where the designers want the game to go. But actually just giving you a little choose-your-own-adventure thing and say, here, roll some dice, see how it works, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay, Adam, you had something you wanted to talk about. I think this ease of play, like, it's easy to understand your character because the stats are pretty simple. It's easy to build a character because once you understand that you're just adding dice to a pool that lets you hit a target number... That's pretty simple, but you had something about, and there's just a lot that is really easy to do in this game, but you were saying something about combat in the sense that it it feels easy on the player side, but maybe not the the game master side. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, the point I was trying to make with that comment was that your action role is your initiative role for the action block. And uh, Nathan had maybe more experience with that just because he had more characters to run than we did, right? But basically, you roll your action. You say, okay, here's the scene. What is everybody going to do? And you go around the table and say, I'm going to shoot that guy, and then I'm going to run behind that rock, or vice versa, whatever. Those actions are taken in different blocks. So the thing that I say first is the action that I take first, and I roll my dice. How well I roll on that dice is my attack roll, but it's also where I go in the initiative order. And I thought that was kind of an interesting way. And at the table, it actually works very well it was a little strange at first because we're very used to rolling initiative when we get into a combat situation or where action order is important um, and you don't do that in this game and i thought that was interesting the one thing i guess that i could see as being a drawback or something you might want to look out for is that the game master then every action block has to pull the table and say who had more than an 18 or or whatever and that may slow your game down you may find better ways to to accomplish that but i think the other thing that's interesting about that is that the player is going to know that they didn't succeed and then have to wait for a very long time until they get down to their you know i rolled a five and now i've <laughs> waited for 17 minutes and it's finally my turn and what do i do i say i missed next yeah there is yeah. something about rolling your attack or rolling your rolling your action right when you're doing it that you may miss out on that dopamine hit but also i think the thing that's really nice about such a cinematic game and, and a game where it just wants you to be heroic is that multiple actions are baked right into the rules. Yeah, yeah. So I can even say I want to shoot twice. No problem. You just lose a die for each additional action that you want to take. And that I think is really great. You don't have to take a feat for it. You don't have, there's no extra rules to learn. You just lose a die for each action. You could do seven actions if you have enough dice to do it. So yeah, I think that, that your initial, your action role is your initiative role and how that sort of plays out at the table and the multiple actions were really what I thought I found most compelling about this. And it was very progressive for early development of, of RPGs. I think it was really kind of cool and interesting. Yeah. The other thing I really liked about it too, is that it seems like, and I, I could be wrong and I'd be willing to be corrected, but it seems like this is one of the few games that we've played so far that really has made an effort to do simultaneous combat. Mm. Um, you know, because ordinarily it's it's like, all right, it's Case's turn and Case does something and everybody else kind of just does their little Final Fantasy bounce uh, <laughs> back and forth, <laughs> shifting their weight, right. waiting for Case to be done with his action. And now it's Heidi's turn and Case goes into his Final Fantasy bounce and waits on Heidi to finish her, her action, right? Um, this game, you know, Adam mentioned he wants to shoot twice, right? His first shot happens at the same time as everybody else's first action and that is... 
and that is adjudicated by how high everybody rolled on their skill checks in which orders those happen. And then his second shot happens at the same time as everybody else's second action. So something that happened in kind of the first segment of a round could absolutely affect and just completely gank something that you're trying to do later on in the turn, which is really interesting. I really like you. You start out the turn declaring what all you intend to do. And that doesn't actually limit what you can do. You can add actions later, but then, you know, you start losing dice and stuff like that. Well, you can't add actions, I don't think, but you can add dodges. Or you can yeah, add yeah. reactions. Right. Yes, sure, basically. sure. I, I, reactions. I, I should have been more yeah. specific. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I found that really interesting. And it was also, <laughs> I wanted to sort of kick this back to Heidi because it's this, this is a very, like, this is a D6 gal game. Uh, I think we can all agree. And one of the things that I feel like we've played a lot of D6 games that are nice and simple and, and fun and easy to play. This one feels like it's both, it's got some complexity and depth. Like, I kind of like that thing of looking at the at the combat and making some strategic decisions. What what did you think? Because you were playing a fighter pilot, and there were some interesting things you did when you were in space. What did you think about it? Excuse me, sir. I was a brash pilot. Oh, um, a brash pilot. Yes. yes. Yeah. Sorry. Hot yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Adjective plus job. Yes. 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 Which was fun. I mean, it was kind of fun, though, because I, you know, well, actually, you get to the space. It was really fun in the story that we did getting to do some of the flight kind of combat stuff and it was just kind of like well because i know what timid heidi would do right she would be like oh let's just go back to the you know the hangar y'all like (laughs) but you know and this it got to be like we're doing it we're charging them you know they're not gonna you know like so it was fun it was interesting because yeah it is a d6 game but man i got to play with so many d6 on some of my roles like you know you you get up there and some of the things that you have skills in and, you know, the points in that you really do get to really roll some pretty powerful stuff. So that was fun. I would say for me, this is kind of a happy medium between a traditional like D20 and like some of the D6 games that we have been playing lately that are more modern. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this was kind of a model that people looked at originally and just thought, oh, let's kind of simplify that. I, I don't. I don't know if this is like a weird hybrid. I, have you guys played stuff that's more in this vein? Because this felt like very much a good like bridge between the two kind of games. It's got a kind stuff. of ease of play, right? Yeah. But also like uh, a real, uh, the possible depth of complexity, both in character yeah. building, as you decide where you're going to spend your points as you level, you know, level up, but you get experience, yeah. you spend it to, to advance one die or another. Um, but also just the combat, like, am I going to make this decision? How am I going to spin my dice pool over the course of a round? Yeah, because uh, there was definitely, you would roll and you still had to do, like a traditional D20 game where you're having to look and quickly do the math and add, okay, okay, wait, hold on, oh, up, up, oh, nope, it's the, you know, like, which I don't feel like you hit so much with some of the D6 games we have played. It's just like clearly like, eh. Roll the four, roll the two. Yeah. Well, okay, so I actually want to go back to Nathan here for a minute for this. Let's do a little bit of two things. Let's get a little bit of numbers dump here as far as what the rolling these pools of D6s, these big handfuls of D6s are like. And then can you explain us to us the use the force rule? Because uh, there are Jedi in this game, although we did not play a Je- None of us played Jedi, and none of us felt as if we were losing out for not having played Jedi, but that doesn't mean you can't use the Force. So give us some statistics talk, Nathan, and then tell us how that role works. Yeah, so uh, first off, my favorite part of the episode, statistics, which I'm (laughs) sure is everybody's favorite part of the episode. Yeah, so uh, I guess uh, to make this make sense, the first thing I should say is that, as has already been mentioned, it's a D6 system, uh, so you will have a certain number of D6, and you will add either 0, 1, or 2 to that roll. Uh, typically the target number is a multiple of five. It's usually five, 10, 15, or 20. There are situations where you could like add two to a difficulty because a target's in partial cover or something like that. But generally speaking, five, 10, 15, 20 is kind of what you're looking at. Typically when you are firing a blaster, which is the kind of the most obvious and often attack done in Star Wars, uh, just 
watch watch a Star Wars movie uh, and and you'll see that that the A New Hope opens up with a whole bunch of blaster shots and uh, at medium range the target number is fifteen and this is the the stat that I found really interesting because a lot of our engagements happened at medium range a target number of fifteen on on a certain number of d sixes. It's actually kind of difficult. You got to have a lot of D6s to get there, if you think about it, right? Two D6s only gets you to 12. The most you can add is plus two, so you'll have 14. So you don't even get to 15 on two D6s at all. So you need three D6s to even get there. The break even on trying to get to a 15, you have a 55% chance of getting a 15 on four D6 plus one. So... That's actually uh, a fairly high skill roll, considering that a lot of your abilities are like two dice, right? So a lot of your untrained abilities are, you know, two dice plus one, two dice, two dice plus two, that sort of thing. So I think what that tells you is that this game really favors specialization. You know, you want the guy that knows how to shoot doing a lot of your shooting. You want the guy that knows how to repair something doing the repairs, because if you're unskilled, and if the thing that you're trying to do is not trivially easy, meaning you'd get a 5 or 10 target number, you're going to have a hard time. Even at, even at 10, you don't break even until 3 dice. So, yeah, so that's the most interesting thing to me looking at the numbers is just how much the game kind of hides its emphasis on specialization behind the, the way the dice system works. Now, the force. Uh, in this game, everybody starts off with one force point. A force point is, for lack of a better comparison, it's kind of like inspiration from Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition or something like that, right? It's, it's uh, a currency that you have on your character that you can use to better a specific check or attack or whatnot. But the way that works in this Star Wars role-playing game is interesting in that what it does is you tell your gm that you are trusting in the force you expend a force point and then for the rest of that round all of your skilled dice codes are doubled that is both the number of dice you roll as well as the modifier that you add to the end of it so trey <laughs> playing the uh, skilled bounty hunter whose blaster skill was what five dice plus Six. something six dice i think it was plus six something? if i remember right yeah trust in the force. i think it was straight up six trust in the force and now he's rolling an absolute bonkers number of dice 12 dice right just chucking a ton of dice and you might think to yourself well only jedi can do that because they're force points ah but that's the thing in the star wars lore at least the star wars lore that this game is based off of kind of the old legends you know the force flows through all living things right Han Solo has the force flowing through him too. He just calls it luck, right? So even if you're not even if you're not a Jedi, your character can become insanely lucky for a period of time because the force acts through them in, in a certain way, right? Whether or not your character knows that they're doing it or not. You know, rolling 12 dice. The other thing, and we kind of mentioned it earlier, is that for every action you take in a round of combat, you lose a die on all actions taken in the round. And since you declare all of your actions up front, Trey can say, all right, I get 12 dice off the bat. I'm going to take five extra actions and I'll still be rolling seven dice on all my blasters. So I'm going to fire six times with seven dice each, right? It's an absolute, I mean, it's, it's kind of going super Saiyan for a round. It's pretty crazy. It feels real good. Yeah, <laughs> it feels very as good. many of you will know. There's nothing greater than dropping a giant handful of dice on the table. Oh yeah, I love I love games that have dice pools because of that. Right, anything mm -hmm. that gets me to roll a bunch of dice, just gather up a handful of dice. I I believe that's why everybody likes casting fireball in Dungeons and Dragons. They just like pocket <laughs> all those d sixes. I think that's yes. why people like it. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. No. No question. Yeah. No. It is, and and you feel like it's it lends itself well to that cinematic the the cinematic reference material that it's working off of, right? Because you, it's like for this shiny moment, the spotlight is on you. Yeah. And you're gonna succeed, probably. Like, I guess you could roll all ones, but you know. Yeah. You know how how Luke hit the uh, thermal exhaust port without using a targeting computer? He rolled twelve yeah. d sixes on his on his missile piloting roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how he yeah. hit it. 
right? He yeah. trusted in the force and yeah. makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> yeah. No, it just feels great. You get to stand up there. You get to chuck a whole bunch of dice. You get to add it up. You get this ridiculous number. It's just, it's good. It's good, solid fun. And the fact that you don't get to do it all the time, that it's a rare commodity, you're not going to be, you're going to be saving it up because you don't, you only have like one. And uh, yeah, it just, uh, it hits. Let's talk about the the Star Wars thing, right? So this is, we like the system. It's a fun system. It's interesting. It's got uh, simplicity and complexity, but it it has, because it is set in a specific definable intellectual property it has this kind of what i think of as the triple ask which is a series of steps you have to get through to get to people to play this game with you right so step one is like this nerd that i like or sorry no um, absorb this nerd that i like right so watch the movies read the books whatever step one like it like you have to like it if you pick up Star Wars and don't like it, you know, now we're in trouble. And then three, play this game with me that's based on this property that we now all understand. Now, Star Wars has got some advantages because of how large it is. But it still has this kind of ask. Now, I'm going to ask you guys, did this feel Star Wars to you, and did you feel any sort of trepidation about going in and playing in it because it was this this property? Like, oh, I may not know what's going on here. Like, there are people like Nathan who know Star Wars, but not everyone knows Star Wars. Like, I've, actually, I venture to guess that very few people know Star Wars like Nathan knows Star Wars. <laughs> but no, what did you think, guys think about doing that? Like, hey, now we're playing in this recognized thing that I've seen the movies for or whatever. What what does that feel like for you? I had some trepidation about it, not because I, I'm not into Star Wars or comfortable with it. Uh, I am. But just because I suspected that it might be very limiting. That everything would always look like, you know, a Star Wars movie. That that, that So the Star Wars movies are all political movies, right? It's always about, you know, forces, you know, great national forces, if you will, moving through the world, right? You've got the empire and you've got the rebellion and, you know, the fights are always at a very high sort of, we're saving the universe kind of level, right? We're, we're, we're going to win and we're going to make them lose. And I kind of wondered, you know, after we got started in it and my concerns sort of put at rest that, oh no, this is a really good system. I'm going to like this. I started wondering about playing this at a completely non-political level, right? The supplements that you can buy, how well do they support you being able to just go and be a smuggler and, you know, not really have to deal with the empire or the rebellion except maybe as police or, you know, just completely forget about all that stuff and go explore a, dere a derelict what do you think, Nathan? You've seen the sub some of the supplements, I think. How how well would that be supported if you just didn't want to do the whole, you know, Jedi Rebellion Empire thing and go do something else? I think it's kind of a a mixed bag if that's if that's what you're looking for, right? The rule book specifically states in a few different places that your player characters are members of the Rebel Alliance, and so you know that's going to be who you are and what you're doing, right? Um, and it uses that as justification for the way it handles dark side points and doing evil acts as well, right? Because sure. in in the lore, you know, the Rebellion are, are nothing but good guys, right? At least mm -hmm. in the lore that this game purports. Um, yeah. Now, in the source books, um, a lot of the source books are taken from old books. There was kind of a symbiotic relationship between novels being written and the Star Wars role-playing game. When Timothy Zahn wrote the original Thrawn trilogy, which is kind of the, it is the crown jewel of Star Wars book trilogies. If you read any Star Wars books, read those ones. Lucasfilm found the West End Games source books to be so informative and so 
canonical that they gave them to him to study, essentially, for writing his books. The source books established the names Twi'lek, Rodian, and a few other really well-known races and such. And then the symbiotic nature of it is that there are source books for each of the three Timothy Zan books, right? So if you want to play in The Last Command, which is the, the third of that trilogy, uh, there's a source book for that, right? That, you know, describes uh, all the characters and the goings on and such. There are a few in there that have less to do with specific events in the galaxy. Like I'm looking at a list of the 140 of them right now, and I'm just kind of picking out a couple. There's one called uh, Pirates and Privateers, right? So you could do some missions and such where you're less affiliated maybe with the Rebel Alliance and more just out for yourself that way. And I think the game is flexible enough that you could probably play it without the strong ties to the big giant goings on in the galaxy. I just think that the time period in the lore that this game is set in, there's just no escaping the Empire. The Empire is everywhere. Okay. So you're always going to run into sure. Stormtroopers. So you could do it, but you'd be flying solo. There wouldn't be a lot of uh, support. From what I can tell, and and maybe I don't know if Adam's looked through more of the source books than I have, because I know he has some experience with this game as well, but it doesn't look like there's a ton out there as far as source books for just like, we're just going to do our own thing. That has nothing to do with rebels or Imperials. I'm a little bit surprised because the game felt like it would work really well outside that. Well, I I just think it feels really good to to be playing a character using that system. Like I I you know, I I, I did not really care you know that whether that we were sweeping, you know, part of a sweeping story. Um Heidi, you're a fan of Star Wars. Like did it feel like Star Wars? Yeah. I'm for, sure, sure, sure. I mean, okay, so I'm a 77 baby. I was, you know, too young, obviously, for the first couple movies, but I got to see the third in the theaters. I was right at the age where it was like one of my first big movie experiences. I do love the movies. Again, I'm not, you know, a, a super fan or anything. I don't know all the details, but, and so, you know, it, but I, clearly we all know this is a huge thing, right? It's It can be intimidating to get into it if you're like, yeah, I don't know too much about Star Wars, or I know just a little, but not this or that. I'm curious, like, for the time this came out, like, I know Nathan talked about some, clearly marketing was already happening at this point. Clearly there were books and, you know, being written and things being done, but... I'm curious if this was like just the perfect time in the in the 80s for this to kind of come out because it's in the years since we've had, you know, more movies, TV shows, cartoons, you know, everything under the sun, right? Do you think this was kind of the perfect time that it was like, hey, there was already like stuff, you know, being developed and backstories being developed, but it wasn't out of control yet, kind of. It wasn't, like, so massive that this was the perfect way to kind of approach it in that it was like, okay, it's it's there, but it still felt, still feels very approachable, I guess. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Because I'm, I'm curious if something like this were, was done, like, in, I don't know, the late 90s when, you know, they did the re-release and the special editions and stuff. Like, if that would have just been, like, at that point, there was so much that we have that they would have felt like we have to cram this in and this in and this in and this in that it's like could they have done these kind of really nice simple templates and could they have done these things that just felt like okay this is here it's a good skeleton but it's not too much you still feel like you can create your own character and develop your own stuff inside of this kind of template I don't know. Do you, uh, to me, I, I feel like it was kind of the perfect time for this this game to first come out in the mid mid eighties. There, what are your thoughts on that? Well, Adam, you said so you played this before, right? I have. Yeah. What What do you think about it? This one, just the tone and flavor, as opposed to more modern versions, because there are modern Star Wars RPGs. 
This one has uh, some mechanics in it that feel very modern. They feel very well thought through from a world of RPG experience when it actually doesn't, like innovative initiative that we talked about, which I think was pretty interesting. But I do think it feels very Star Wars-y in the sense that it allows you to be, tell a very heroic story and a very individual story, right? Like your concerns about the big, once you introduce six or even nine movies and other other canon as well, does it get overwhelming? Perhaps it could, but you can find the right material that you want to play in and play in that space. This one feels like, it's interesting that I'm going to say this because they've used it for fantasy and space and pulp that is now freely available through the West End Games website for those D6 games taking that mechanic, but it feels like a system that was designed for Star Wars play because it lets you go out and be heroic and be you know cinematic and do cool stuff. I would say that the one thing that I felt was missing only because I already knew that it exists in the second edition and subsequent editions is that West End Games started to introduce in their D6 systems the Wild Die, which is sort of like the junior varsity version of using a force point. When you take an action, you roll one of your dice a different color, and if you do something cool, then the numbers on that special die will tell you how cool that thing was. Very much like modern age when you had the dragon die and that kind of thing. But it sort of let you know how cool the thing was that you did. And if that D6 is on a 6 and it explodes and you can keep rolling and it's sort of like using the force but it allows each moment to have that opportunity to be cinematic and awesome and have a really high roll and do that really cool thing really really well that in the first edition which is what we played you really only get to do when you have used uh, the force. Yeah, that's true. So I think uh, I, I, I felt myself missing that, but it was really unfair because at the time this was released, it wasn't a thing. And in and of itself, without that consideration, it is a fantastic system. Um, but I found myself missing that. As I mentioned, when you take an action and you already know you miss and you got to wait 20 minutes before you can just say, I missed, those moments are less frequent because you might, you might, you might hit, right? You might know, as Nathan mentioned during our st- uh, statistics section, you already know you can't hit from medium range but you could with a wild die well i i don't know i i uh i look at that um that design feature um it's not a it's a feature not a bug because if you roll mm-hmm. five you now have time to go to the bathroom you won't be doing That's anything true. for the rest <laughs> of the round and so you can go yeah okay so but uh, very seriously who is this for how why go back and pick up this game as opposed to a more modern game adam who who, who should who should get this game um, I would say Star Wars fans, you probably already have it or you've played it, but it's definitely it's definitely a big one for Star Wars fans if for no, no other reason than the nostalgia. But I do think that the current book um, that's out and being released, the Fantasy Flight version with the special dice and they have narrative dice, that scratches a different itch for me. And it can do that in the Star Wars universe as well as what this system does, but it's definitely a different um, idea, definitely a different approach to it. So if you want the gritty first trilogy four five and six this would be the system that i would highly recommend (laughs) if you want to do your own thing and if you want to do the later films the more recent films then perhaps the other newer system from fantasy flight with the narrative dice is is a better approach if you want to take the whole kitchen sink approach then maybe that system but if you if you love that four five and six trilogy then this is the system i would recommend yes yes no if you are if you're a uh if you're a purist if you're an, an, an old testament star wars fan then uh, definitely. Trey, who is this for? Well, I was just going to say the same thing that, you know, if, if, if you're a grumpy old guy like me who, you know, was, was disappointed, by, disappointed by Phantom Menace, then this is the game for you because it definitely has that New Hope kind of feel to it. It's an easy game to get into. You know, the barrier to entry is very low. And, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm actually kind of curious. There, there's, a, there's a section... There's a whole section in the rule book. It's like 74 page long universe section that kind of explains the Star Wars universe and how everything sort of works. If someone were to try to GM this without any foreknowledge of Star Wars, as if there if there's anyone left in the world like that, I don't know how sufficient that would be. Nathan Adam, any any thoughts about that? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, you're picking it up most likely because you're already familiar with that. Exactly. World. There's just not that. You as part of the Zeitgeist 
probably know enough to run the story you want to tell with the mechanics that are laid out and make make your own story. If the Rebels and the Galactic Empire are of no interest for you and your group, you could probably run that game. But like Nathan said, you'll you'll probably be on your own. But that's not to say that it can't be done. Yeah, it's 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 for people who are into the old Star Wars and who who want a fast playing game with a low barrier of entry. Heidi, what do you think? Honestly, it's to me this is rated E for everyone. Right. Mm. Like uh, clearly there is the caveat of sure, it, you should at least be interested in playing games. Duh. Right. You should. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. Like so. And, and sure, you, you should like a little bit of, you know, kind of trying to create some characters and some in role play and coming up with that, you know, like fantasy, even, you know, s- you know, space opera type stuff. But you don't have to. You don't have to. I mean, in case, like you said, you're you're not necessarily a star wars fan you you still seem to enjoy it you know i, I at least you know yeah. i think so but you know we'll see we'll i've not given we'll, my we'll, my i was gonna say we'll see yet. what your grade we'll get to it. is but yeah. um yeah i mean i i think this is a game that you can play young old sure for people in, in our age group you know there's a fun nostalgia to it you know there's all sorts of things that can add and be a nice bonus you know a add plus one to it if you will you know like but you don't have to you really you it really is an enjoyable game it's easy to get into like i said the character creation is just you know to me that was just easy as it comes so yeah oh yeah definitely definitely very low barriers to entry okay i'm curious i'm curious nathan as the died in the wool star wars fan why choose this (laughs) game over another star wars rpg I think as as someone who just really likes Star Wars and I have read a ton of Star Wars books and been kind of steeped in in the lore of Star Wars for years, I think this game is suitable for the Star Wars nerd that just is in love with those old uh, Star Wars books from essentially the pre-Disney era, right? Everything that's kind of called Legends now. Uh, there's, you know, this wide, wide galaxy full of adventures and miscreants and and crazy shenanigans and goings-on. And this game is is capable of handling any and all of that. I think the books obviously just touch all of my nostalgia, uh, but uh, the source books, at least the, the primary source book that comes with the fantasy flight reprint uh is chock full of just really interesting lore and additions and this game more than any that we've played just kind of takes me back to my childhood so uh that's why i as a star wars nerd would choose this one uh, the others they're fine they're fun i i enjoy playing them as well i played the wizards of the coast one i've played the fantasy flight one they're very fun uh, this one, more than any, makes me feel like I'm in A New Hope when I'm playing it or running it, right? The cinematic, swingy actions, and lots of actions, and scary firefights, and 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 kind of just, it just, it feels more Star Wars than the others do, I, feel, I think. Yeah, so here's here's what I think. I think that this game is for people who, if if it's for people who don't like Star Wars, that is, if the rest of your group are Star Wars fans and they want to play Star Wars, get them to play this game because this game is fun and it it has a delightful uh, capacity that will allow you to build a character. You could ignore space wizards to your heart's content and still be useful and cool. I really had a good time with this game. And so I give this version of Star Wars, the RPG, a pass. Because I would play this game again. I would play a campaign in this system. And I would be happy to sit through years of play with this system. Gallivanting around the galaxy, having cinematic action. I like it. Now, it doesn't get a high pass for me. Because it's still freaking Star Wars, and I won't. There are some lines even I won't cross. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god. And I also 
like the other thing is when I think about like a high pass game, it's like, would it is it something I would run? I wouldn't run this, but mostly because I can't make the, the like the droid sounds with my mouth like Nathan can. <laughs> so, just so you know, you're making Baby Grogu cry on your shirt. <laughs> he has a name. He's just like a little like version of Yoda, right? Like it's Grogu. <laughs> Oh, you just oh, killed hurts. Nathan some more. Was it like, isn't so it like Yoda from some other timeline or something? No. no? Okay. No. I really, I have to, res- I have to say, I respect Nathan's sort of his, his his restraint here. He just kind of, he's he he makes these. Are you kidding? This is low, the highlight low, of my week. I'm causing low pain. groans, <laughs> low groans. He just kind of looks down. And he uh-huh. goes, oh, yeah. just yeah. like smoke is coming out of his ears. <laughs> he's like, oh. He's gonna be okay though. See. Okay. Okay. Wait a minute. Let's let's keep on track, people. Heidi, <laughs> great. You know what? I'm I'm giving this baby a high pass. I will. I, I, I will. Like this was fun. This is. I enjoyed it. It. I I overuse this word. I know, but it was very approachable for me. You know, as somebody again who doesn't have a huge background in this, this felt very just like I could get right into it. It felt good. The mechanics didn't feel like crazy, even when we got into like some of the space combat, you know, we had to, Nathan had to (laughs) sit and kind of give us a talking to about how and break it all down for us. And we had to go through all that. But I saw at first I was like, oh, this is going to be bad, but I loved it. It was great. And I, you know, it, it brought out the the best brash pilot in me that, that it could have. So I enjoyed it. I I agree. I could see myself playing this long term. So yeah, high pass for me. Nice. Yeah, no. That, hey, that is a great recommendation. It brought out the brash pilot in me. That's, yeah, it yeah. did. It did. And and you know what? The nostalgia, I if I'll be honest, I am biased. There is a it hit the nostalgia, you know, spot for me. So I enjoyed it from that too. All right, Trey. I was trepidatious going into this game. And it gave me that nice feeling of being surprised that it was better than I thought it was going to be. That that does a lot for me. It was fast and easy playing. It tickled my grouchy old, oh, you Phantom Menace kids get off my yard kind of feeling that, that, that I've had ever since that movie came out. And so, yeah, you know... I'm going to give it a high pass because I can't think of a single thing I didn't like about it. Wow. I was going to play this game just because it was the next thing in the list and, you know, I knew, you know, Nathan was into it. And and it was really good. I mean, I was surprised from the outset how, how well designed it was and how much fun I had. And it really made me curious to know what this universe was like outside the larger plot of the political struggle. You know, I was like, what, what would the rest of this world be like? What would it be like to just sort of, like, be a regular criminal, you know, or whatever? Anyway, high pass. Wow. Adam. I mean, I'm not as passionate about Star Wars as some of our group is, but I do love it. And I wondered if by playing it again with this group, if I would give it a high pass. I think I'm going to stick with pass. I think what the game needs is a second edition. Good thing about that is that there is one. In fact, uh, if you I don't know why you would want to, but if you go find reviews from people who aren't us... Uh, if you decide for whatever reason you wanted to do that, <laughs> perish the thought. <laughs> yeah. A vile concept. You will find, of course, there are people who are into Star Wars are passionate. People who are into role playing games are passionate, and people who are into Star Wars role playing games. Boy, that just is logarithmically more passionate. <laughs> the The second edition, uh, the second edition of second edition, is called Revised and Expanded, and you will find people that was released in 1996. You'll find people who say that that is the perfect version of a Star Wars role-playing game that's ever been released. And these people know what they're talking about. So I would say that some of the subsystems, like space combat and things like that, were a little wonky, and you can see that uh, some improvement could be made uh, in, you know, introducing some subsystems. That revised and expanded book for second edition, it takes some of their improved subsystems from the 130-some-odd splat books and introduces them and makes them core to the rules, and that's what this game needs. So I'm going to stick with a pass for now, knowing that, boy, it sure does flirt with a high pass for me. I loved the space combat. I loved that. Oh, yeah. That was fun. Nathan. High pass. I give it a high pass. High pass. Nathan, high pass. High pass. 
<laughs> yeah. um, says the guy that Adam just got done describing, right? The guy who really likes Star Wars, but also really likes role-playing games, right? And they just compound. <laughs> There's just a, a multiplication. This is just the Venn diagram of things you like. That's right. Yeah, it's right in the middle of it. I will say I do agree with Adam. This game is certainly not perfect. And as he said, I'm sure the second edition, which I haven't actually played. I haven't played the second edition of this game. I'm sure does make a lot of improvement, but high pass to me doesn't necessarily mean flawless. It just means like exceptional. Right. And I think this meets that bar. I think it's fun to play. I would play this game even if it wasn't Star Wars. If it was just generic science fiction, I would play it. I'm interested in trying out just Space D6 and, you know, do a do a Buck Rogers style, you know, pulp adventure in space or something like that with with this system. But the fact that it has Star Wars layered on top of it, just I mean, it's it's having my cake and eating it, too. So. Yeah, it's definitely a high pass for me. As as much as we are the sort of yin and yang of uh, of RPGs, the fact that I, I passed this game, it really is something special. And for Star Wars fans, I think even more so. And, listen, there's rules in there for being a Jedi, lots of cool stuff. You can force choke people, which is where you find the rules for grappling. Once again, the countdown, the countdown thing makes us all feel a little bit like, um... I know it's silly, but it does help me. Listen, no, if it helps you, Adam, anything we can do to help you out. You know, you know what we are? It's, uh, it's the Thermians from Galaxy Quest. (laughs) (laughs) We've watched the historical documents. Yeah, great. Okay. Uh, are you ready for me to do my intro? Ready, ready? sir. Okay. Sure. All right, here we go.